Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Thoughts in Hyperspace from a certain point of view. I'm Michael Hoover. Thank you all for joining me today. Um, I, You know, these Thoughts in Hyperspace uh, episode ideas came I came up with a while back just to kind of get a stream of consciousness, uh, you know, episode that's like 5, 10, 15 minutes long, however long it needs to be. But just while I'm thinking about ruminating about some Star Wars, while I, literally while I'm driving, you know, and I pull out my voice memo, my phone, and record a voice memo, um, and it's safe, I promise. But, you know, sometimes I'm just thinking about things I love about Star Wars, and sometimes I'm thinking about things that bug me about Star Wars or the fandom or whatever. And um, today, I, guys, I saw today that The Last Jedi is is trending on Twitter. And I don't know why, but it is, and I'm happy about it. Um, and so, you know, while I was driving to work, I just was thinking about why I love The Last Jedi. And, you know, we've done several episodes on The Last Jedi on the podcast and we always just mention I feel like people whether people are teasing me about it or whether or whether we're just genuinely talking about it um you know we don't shy away from last jedi love on this podcast but it has been a bit since I just talked about just talked you know off the cuff about why I love this freaking movie. Like what, like why? And, and look, we, a lot of times when I talk about on the podcast, it has to do with Luke Skywalker, but there is so much more to this movie than one of the best, you know, character arcs of all time in star Wars, Luke Skywalker. There's so much more to this movie than just that. Um, and you know, as I was driving, I was just thinking about why does this movie, it's been four years now, it's 2021, came out in 2017, why four years later is this movie still getting me to think about it as much as it is? Why is this movie in my brain taking up space in my brain so much and in my heart. I just, there's, there's really not, I don't even really know how to quantify it uh, because I love Empire Strikes Back and I still rank it above The Last Jedi, you know, on my rankings. I still do, but I feel like it's almost like because it's, it really is perfect. Like the Empire Strikes Back is perfect. It, it basically is. It's, I always say it's the only perfect Star Wars movie, but I don't talk as much about it. Maybe it's just because there's not a need to defend it, right? Most, most people, most people, uh, except for Jessica on our own podcast, uh, shout out Jessica for your terrible Empire Strikes Back ranking. Um, she ranks it at like number nine or something. <laughs> it's amazing. But um, don't don't hate on her, guys. Please don't hate on Jessica. But but what I'm saying is, Empire Strikes Back is my number one. But I don't ever really talk about it all the time. I don't talk about it all the time. There's I don't find. I guess I don't find the need to because you know with the Last Jedi, I constantly feel the urge or need or desire to defend it against the detractors because there's a lot of detractors. There's a lot of people who love it, but there's also a lot of detractors. A lot of people who 
say either either fair criticism about it or not so fair criticism and I like to point out when it's not fair and and at least my take on it and so I don't know I find myself talking about it way more than my favorite Star Wars movie which is Empire Strikes Back but guys this movie is so special to me not just look I won't deny Luke Skywalker is my favorite character of all time he became more of my favorite character after I saw Empire. Uh, after, sorry, after I saw the Last Jedi, I think his arc in the Last Jedi made him so much more interesting, and it made him. Uh, he connected with me on an emotional level. Like I, I can't speak enough to the emotional weight that his story brings to the table for me. I can't. I, I. I really can't overstate that. Um, when I watch. When I watch his move. This movie from the time he throws that saber over his shoulder to the time at the end of the movie where he's looking off into the twin suns, and after he has just become the symbol of hope in the galaxy again, um, after he stayed for so many years in the shadow and and cut off from the force. And you see his redemption, and he comes back and saves the resistance, saves Leia, and um, and and makes amends with Leia, and um, and and defeats the First Order in that moment in the most Jedi way possible, um, and then and he gives his life doing it. I can't tell you the the. I mean, you can probably just hear it right now. Like, there's no faking this at all. Like, I genuinely am moved by this story on a level that really I can't think of another Star Wars story that really moves me quite like this. Um, not quite on the emotional level that that does. But that said, that's not the only thing about about the Last Jedi that I love. This movie pushes every character forward in a in a good way. It gives each character more weight. And even though, you know, there may be some things about the Canto Bite sequence that aren't perfect, I've actually grown to genuinely love the Canto Bite sequence. And by the way, if you haven't listened to it, about two or three months ago, Josh Mesker and I recorded an episode, d- deep dive episode into the Canto Bite sequence in The Last Jedi. You guys should definitely go check it out if you have not already. It's one of my favorite episodes we've done. But, um, and, uh, but yeah, I love, I actually love the Canto Bite sequence now. I love a lot about it, but what I love the most is what it does for Finn's character. It is that sequence and DJ and Rose and that story on the outside, it looks like, you know, from the outside looking in on a surface level, it's like, yeah, man, what the heck? This was such a waste of time. They did all this stuff. And in the end, it didn't amount to anything. They failed. So that whole sequence was a waste of time. No, that's not the case at all. Really what that was, was, you know, one of many characters journeys in this movie in which they deal with failure and when and 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 in this situation this is Finn's character he deals with failure here but then he also throughout that whole process is is really asking the questions why like what side am I going to land on here? Because at the beginning of the movie, he is in this for Ray. And even from the very beginning, when he wakes up, his first thought is, and he says, Ray, he, he doesn't even, 
He doesn't even hesitate. It's it's about Ray. It's not about helping the resistance. He's not a rebel at this point. He the whole reason he came back was because of Ray and he's still in it for Ray. So the next part of his journey is now he knows he cares about Ray, but now it is is he a rebel? Is he really on this side or is he not? You know, is or is he somewhere in the middle? Because really, that's where he was until he decided he needs to save the person he cares about. He was in a place where he left the First Order. Yes, he did. He left the First Order because he knew what that was happening was wrong. But he was not, he was not a rebel. He was not, he did not really join the resistance. He was leaving to go, you know, from the cantina. He was leaving to basically go hide, you know, and, and this movie, what this whole story, um, in a, you know, in, in a way that not a lot of people like, and, and I, I understand, but not a lot of people like it, but it is the, there is a point to it. You know, they use the character DJ and they use Rose to kind of have the devil and the angel on his shoulders throughout this whole thing. But that whole sequence of the movie is about Finn becoming, as he says, when he finally faces off with the symbol of his symbol of tyranny in his life, he faces off with Phasma. And as he defeats her, he says rebel scum. And he calls himself that. And he has firmly entrenched himself as a rebel, as a resistance warrior. Incredible. I love it. You know, and then you move to Poe. You move to Poe. Poe is in this movie. He is a, he, at the beginning of this movie, he's, he's still that hot shot, you know, and and look in the force awakens, he was a good character. Like he was a good character. Um, he was the best fighter that, you know, the best star fighter that the resistance has. Um, but that what, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a good leader yet, you know? Um, and, and even at the beginning of this movie of the last Jedi, um, you know, when he, when he decides that he's going to go against Leia's orders and take down the dreadnought, he does so with the best of intentions, but it's, he's way off base with his, even though his motivation, his intention is, is good. He's way off base and is not acting like a leader. And the story is, and you can, you know, people can talk about, Haldo and should she have told him and should she have not? I have gone back and forth on it for a while. I'm landing on the side for me personally. Like, why would she trust him after everything he did? There's no need for her to tell him anything when she should. Why would she trust him at this point? And as a leader, you don't entrust information like this secret plan with someone who might go and just try and blow stuff up without, you know, just go against orders. Um, you know, I don't love everything about every little, uh, mechanism of the, the, uh, of the Poe Haldo storyline. There's a couple things I would have probably done a little differently, but I think that his arc in this movie from where it begins to where it ends, which is he, him leading the resistance and it into, you know, him eventually saying, no, Luke is actually buying us time so that we can live to fight another day. Follow me. And Leia says, 
What are you looking at me for? Follow him. She empowers him in that moment. And at the end of the movie, he is a better leader than he was at the beginning. And because of what he went through in the movie. And, and if you follow the plot points, it does make sense. So I love what the movie does for Poe. I really, really do. Um, oh man, if you, and, and then look guys, Ray and Kylo's relationship and their connection, their forced connection in this movie, Ray's story is so powerful seeing, and this is going to run too long. I need to make sure I don't go too long on this, but Ray's story is so good through this trilogy. And yes, I said trilogy because I'm coming around to the idea of her choosing. In fact, I actually would say I love her choosing and taking the Skywalker name because ultimately, ultimately, and this is in the, the rise of Skywalker, I know, but ultimately I, before I wanted her to be Ray, nobody, I thought it was a more powerful idea. Her not being from a specific bloodline and her power not being defined by her bloodline. Well, but if you look at it, like if you look at it deeper and this is what I look, I'm not going to, I'm not ashamed to say it. People have told me, people have, you know, talked to me about this part of, of, uh, the rise of Skywalker. And I've kind of just come around to it based off of really giving it more thought and how it really does thematically make sense. How, yeah, her choosing to be Ray Skywalker in that moment does exactly what I wanted Ray nobody to do. It accomplishes that exact thing because now she's not weighed down by her lineage, which is a Palpatine. She has now chosen her path. She's now chosen her lineage and she is now chosen that she, that whatever's in the past does not define me. Where I'm from does not define where I go. And that's exactly what I wanted Ray Nobody to convey. So, guys, I'm good with it. I'm good with her being Ray Skywalker. And and to me, in this movie, I think that her story going to, you know, in the first in the first movie, in the Force Awakens, she was looking for that father figure in Han Solo, and she did not find it. <laughs> you know, she found it for she found it for for a moment, but ultimately ultimately, you know, the belonging is not here. The belonging is not your, what is, what does Maz Kanata say? The, the belonging you seek is not behind you, but ahead, which again, thematically works with the entire story. It is not Han Solo. Your belonging, you will not find your belonging in a father, a mother, a father figure, a mother figure, anybody else. It lies ahead and it lies in you, Ray. And and what Ray keeps doing is she keeps trying to find belonging in Han Solo. She tries to find, you know, her place. She tells Luke, I'm just trying to find my place in all of this. She's trying to find it in Luke Skywalker. Um, she's trying to find it through even she's tempted even by the dark side in the last Jedi, in that cave sequence, who are my parents? Where do I come from? Where do I belong? Where do I fit into this story? And even in the cave, 
It gives her a reflection of herself. She is, she finds the answer in the cave, but not one that she's looking for. She does not want to think that it's all in herself. She wants to believe that she, she, well, that, that forces her to confront something in herself that she does not want to confront, you know? And so for me, Ray in this movie is discovering that her belonging, the belonging she seeks is not in another person, but it's in her. And, and, and she, the only way that she's going to find it is to become, um, is to become okay with who she is and to accept that whatever her lineage is, uh, that doesn't have any bearing on where she goes forward. And, um, and I love, I love her story in this movie and I love her connection with Kylo, the whole like force Skype thing, you know, that's a silly thing we call it, but it's such a cool idea that Ryan Johnson kind of created there for us to, to see the, the beginnings of this dyad concept here, um, which I also love. And, uh, gosh, seeing, seeing Kylo for me personally, I love Kylo's story in this too, because I viewed Kylo as in this movie, he's the big, he is the big bad, you know, uh, you know, uh, Snoke is a red herring for all intents and purposes, but there is, there is a purpose to his character. And the purpose of his character is to move Kylo's character along in his journey. And, you know, the, 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 the way that, that he handles, that Snoke handles and treats Kylo and the way that he treats Ray and the way that, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm starting to lose my train of thought here cause I'm going on way too long, but, uh, the, the really what I'm trying to say about, about, uh, Kylo is that I view him because of what happens at the end of the movie you know, he's kind of a mess throughout the whole movie. He's, he's again, it, we have this really unique villain where Darth Vader, Darth Vader in the original trilogy until the very end was really not at war with himself. He was at war with others. I love this idea of, of this dark side character not being called and tempted by the dark side more. He's being called and tempted by the light. He is split in half. He is split in half. He's got Anakin Skywalker in him, but yes, but he also has the goodness of Leia and Luke in him. He's got that Skywalker blood and it's divided right down the middle and he's he's tearing himself apart. And even uh, Snoke says Yes, you killed your father, but well, look what it's doing to you. It's tearing you apart. You don't know where you're going. And and I love so much when Kylo ends up killing Snoke. It was such it was a subversive moment, but in the best sense of the word, in the best possible way. And and right there where you think is Ray going to go dark? Wait, no, is Kylo is Kylo good? What? And they have this incredible fight sequence together where they're on the same team 
And then at the end of it, when they defeat the Praetorian Guard, Kylo be, Kylo shows that he's the villain of this. And to me, I loved that he was the villain. A lot of people were kind of down about, I can't believe they didn't give us more on Snoke. And I'm like, no. The Clearly, to me, the interesting character here as a villain is Kylo Ren. Um, and even if he gets that redemption arc in the third movie, I love his arc in the first two as a villain. I think it's so good. And gosh, after that, the battle on Crate against Luke and Kylo, it reminds me of, um, it kind of reminds me of Avatar The Last Airbender where Azula, at, in the last battle where, he's, where she's fighting Zuko, she is just unhinged. She's become unhinged and because of it, she actually ends up losing the fight. And I think that's something here too. Kylo is unhinged in this, in this sequence. Um, you know, he is just full on to the point where even, you know, (laughs) to the point where Hux, who was, who gave the most ridiculously intense (laughs) speech in the, in the force awakens, the last day of the Republic where he is like, do you think you got him? Are you good? I think you're overreacting a little bit here. <laughs> I, Hux was hilarious in that sequence to me, showing just how unhinged Kylo actually was. Oh man, but then yes, you have that incredible sequence for me between Kylo and Luke, and and Luke asks for his forgiveness, and you know Kylo's not having any of that. Um, I don't know, man. Guys, that's enough for this. I just wanted, you know, I I talked earlier about how much I do and I do always end up talking about The Last Jedi here and there on the podcast and it's usually about Luke, but I just wanted to think I was just driving around thinking about today and I was like, I love Star Wars, but today I just love The Last Jedi and I'm so thankful that it got made and I'm so thankful for it. And I just want to talk about all the things that I love about it. Like at least like a, like some of the things, cause I, I didn't even talk about the technical aspects of this film, the cinematography, the music. It's, it's, it's incredible. The direction, it's all so freaking brilliant. And, um, it's not a perfect movie, but it is my favorite star Wars movie since empire strikes back. Thank you guys so much for listening, and until next time, may the Force be with you, always.